Uh, so 1 Peter chapter 5, and uh, we're going to look at verses 6 to 7. And it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Hallelujah. Or was that you having that in the bath, Julia, that scripture, were you? I, I get loads of stuff in the bath. Do you get loads of stuff in the bath? Yeah, me too. Um, so... We ought to set up like a WhatsApp bath chat or something. You know, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me today in the bath. <laughs> it's not appropriate. Yeah, I'll be, quite, I'll be able to. <laughs> so humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Does anyone suffer from anxiety sometimes? Yeah, you, you get that feeling. You know, you get that feeling in the day where you're anxious, but you don't even know why you're anxious. Anyone, anyone get that? Yeah. Well, there's, there's lots of reasons for that. Normally, I, I tend to be, although I, I, I seem like I'm extrovert, I'm actually quite introvert. So I spend a lot of time inside of myself just listening away. And, and if, I, if I, for any instant, suddenly feel anxious about something... I have to just stop myself and go, well, why am I feeling anxious? And I just run it back, run it back, run it back, and then did, there I'll find it. It can be when you know you have an, an argument with someone in your head. Yeah? <laughs> so, yeah. So that just makes you feel anxious. You just kind of moved on, but you're inside you're like, oh, oh, no, I feel really offended by that person, that the argument you just made up in your own head. Okay. So, so, so we can be anxious for all different types of reasons. But I found... It, it, in my life that, that a lot of anxieties we have can easily be remedied and dealt with if we practice the first part of this verse in verse 6 where you humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you and so humble okay humble I think we all kind of got a grip on what humble means but then I think we haven't as well, because Moses in, in, the, in, the, in the Torah, he says that he writes of himself that he was the most humble man in all the earth, <laughs> which seems ironic to us, doesn't it? But, but he, he wrote it because it's true. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I should say this once, but I remember once I was having a chat with someone and uh, I, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, one of the things that I, I try to pursue is humility. I said, so actually, I'm quite a humble man. And he just laughed at me. He said, you can't say you're a humble man and tell me you're a humble man. I said, but I am a humble man. He just laughed even more. And I was like, well, we're getting nowhere with this conversation. Anyway, humble yourselves. Now, notice the emphasis here is yourselves. Okay. Holy Spirit, humble me. <laughs> That's not what it says. Bear in mind that God breathed this word. Yeah. So in other words, Holy Spirit doesn't contradict his word. He's already told you what to do. Um, you know, oh, oh, Jesus, will you please humble me? Will you make me humble? Will you make me humble? Jesus, Jesus, will you make me humble? No, no, he won't. Because the Bible says, humble yourself. 
All right? It amazes me. No, like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. But then you just humble yourself. Do it yourselves. So this, the, 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 the emphasis is on us, that we are to humble ourselves. But, but what does... What does... So I could have done something about it, but it just, you know... Thank you. All that will be shaken, will be shaken. Thank you. So anyway, the best person to look at for humility is Jesus. The old Sunday school answer there. Thank you very much. Now, we might think, you know, uh, Jesus was kind of humble. You know, he washed his disciples' feet and stuff like that. That's, that's a really humble thing to do. Has anyone here ever washed someone else's feet? Okay, good. Um, did you feel humble when you did that? Yeah, I know. Okay, I got really tickly feet. <laughs> Um, so, so lots of people here, you've obviously washed other people's feet. Did it make you feel humble? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. But, but you see, you washing someone else's feet is kind of a humble thing to do. But when you are the one who created all of time and space and the universe and the earth and everybody on it, and then you wash their feet, now that's humility on, on a whole nother level. And remember that Jesus said, I only do that which I see the Father doing. So if he washed their feet, it wasn't him that was washing their feet. It was the Father that was washing their feet. And the room goes quiet now, trying to think about the theological ramifications of that. (laughs) It's true. And that shows the humility of God, that God would actually humble himself as the king of the universe to become as one of us and then to wash our feet. Now that, that brothers and sisters right there, that there is humble. That's humility. Hallelujah. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You know, God wants us to give us a life where we can actually, we're not 100%, but you can actually be in a place that is mostly stress free. (laughs) Some people are going, yeah, right. No, you can. But But the problem is, is that it's us that give ourselves or put ourselves into an awkward situation where we get stressed with people, where we get angsty with people, where we get angry with people. Um, And so, so much of the problems in our lives we can deal with if we just humbled ourselves and dealt with the situations appropriately. I was was doing a, a conference on Thursday and I was speaking to some of these leaders on prayer and, I, and it just popped into my head. And I said, I said, how many leaders uh, here sometimes when you're, you're in the prayer room and you're praying, but you just come into the prayer room all angsty, like, oh, I've got to do something. I've got to pray. I, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to do something. And most of them put their hands up. It's like, yeah, yeah I know what that feels like. Because that's when you're in the danger zone. If you come into the prayer room all angsty, like, I, I must do something. I must do something. You are not in a good place. You are not in a good place. Because you need to be in a place of rest. You need to be in a place of peace so that you are not operating from the flesh, but you are hearing the things of the spirit and then you can pray appropriately. If I go, if I come into the prayer room and I do get like that sometimes, you know, that whole, oh, I must do something, I must do something. uh, I immediately go, I'm going to do the exact opposite. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn everything off, turn all the uh, noise off and I'm just going to sit down uh, I've got a little app on my phone which you set the time and it goes bong, a nice little chilled out bong. And, and I'll, just, I'll just sit in the presence of the Lord for 25 minutes 
and just sit there and do absolutely nothing. Now, what kind of a relationship do you have with your wife or your husband or your wife-to-be or your brother and your sister? Is it a professional relationship where, as a wife, say like a husband and wife, you have this really business professional relationship? So, um, so I go to my wife in the morning. I say, look, look, love, here's the list of things that I want to get done, I want to, to be done today. All right? You're looking nervous. This is what Paul does to you. No, no. Okay. So... Uh, I'll, I'll give you this list. Can you, can you please do what's, what's on this list here? You go, yeah, yeah, okay. And so you both of you are busy bodying all around, and you're doing stuff together, but you're just always busy, busy. Go here, go there. Let's be really busy. Busy, 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 busy. And then I've got this big list, and I want you to work through all this stuff. And, so, and this is what you're like, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. I tell you what you're heading for if you live a life like that. You are heading for a divorce or a breakup of your relationship because that's not how relationships work. The best time that I like in my marriage. <laughs> all right, no, stop it, all right? It's not me that's got the problem, it's you. I can hear where you're going. The, the, some of the best times in my marriage are when I just get to sit next to my wife and say nothing. Uh, and, I, and I try to cuddle her until she bats me off like a fly, but I. They're there for me. It's just like the nicest times of our marriage where we're just sat together and just being together. And yet we treat God like we're in some kind of professional relationship with God. Okay, God, here's my list of things that I want you to do today. Thank you very much. Now I'm just going to be busy for Jesus for the rest of the day. And I might say goodnight to you and uh, we'll start all over again tomorrow. Well, good luck with that. I mean, what kind of a relationship with God is that? Yeah. And it's the same. You see, we are relational beings. And guess what? You're made in the image of God. So what does that mean God is? He's a relational being. He wants you to have relationship with him. So if you treat him in that professional manner where, you know, like just give him the shopping list in the morning and, and uh, stuff like that, that's, that's not really conducive to a relationship. And so sometimes it's really good to just sit with God. And like when you sit with your partner and you're watching television or something, yeah? In fact, who goes to the cinema and you're one of those people that just talks throughout the whole film? <laughs> Right, you are not coming to the cinema with me, and you, right? If I'm, if I'm watching a film, I don't care if you're there, you'll be right next to me, but I want to enjoy that film. Don't I? How did they do that special effect? How did they do that? Are they really doing that? Or is that a blue screen? Right? I was like, I don't care. I'm trying to watch the film. Right? And, so when, and it's the same with God. There are just times where God doesn't want a running commentary from you. God doesn't want you to say anything. Sometimes he just wants you to be quiet. Let's have a look at a few scriptures on that, shall we? Psalm 62, verse 1. I found this one the other day. Psalm 62, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. That means... No worship music, no soaking music, no little app doing some weird stuff or, you know, whatever. Just nothing. Just wait in the place of silence. With, from him comes my salvation. And then there's another famous one, uh, which is Psalm 46, verse 10. 
you, you all know this one. But I'm, I'm pointing the scripts out so you can highlight them. Stick them on your fridge or something. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Okay. How many have actually tried sitting down for 20, half, 20 minutes to half an hour? Good. With, uh, just, just with them in Jesus and uh, actually thoroughly enjoyed it? All right. See? But, but, yeah, but a lot of us, we're just like these crazy busybody people, just running here, running there, hither, thither, where we go. And you've got no peace in your life. And so, you know, in my life, if I'm suffering from anxiousness or if I'm all itchy, then it's because I haven't really spent enough time just resting in the presence of God. In actual fact, everything that I do as a, as a Christian must come out of the prayer room. I'll say that again, everything I do as a Christian must come out of the prayer room. Because you see, prayer is fundamental, it's not supplemental. I'll say that again. Prayer is fundamental, not supplemental. It's not like I'm a Christian 99% of my life and I stick 1% of prayer in there. Prayer is the very essence and foundation of who you are as a, as a Christian. It, it, it's, it's, it's like that place where you commune with the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So humility. This is all linked together, by the way. So humility is power under submission. That's literally what it means. So uh, when you humble a horse, for example, that means it surrendered its will and humbled itself to the authority of another. Okay. Now, like every good horse, I'm sure some horsey people will tell me, horses don't always behave themselves, just like Christians don't always behave themselves. Do I get an amen? Yeah, amen. So we don't always behave ourselves, but our, our heart in, in things of Christianity is that we want to be subservient to God's word and live according to his ways and live under that authority. Uh, and in all that that means, God wants his people to be a humble people. Uh, it says in James, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I need to come back to my Peter scripture, yeah. Now listen to this, right? Have you ever tried, have you ever wanted to really do something for Jesus, but no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't seem to happen. The opportunities don't seem to come. If anything, they seem to go in reverse. I've had all that, okay? And guess why? Because it says so in this verse, here's the answer. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. I, I've done, I've played the game where I try to exalt myself, okay? I like to use myself as an illustration because if I use myself as an illustration, you won't feel like I'm picking on you if I used you as an illustration, okay? So I use myself as an illustration. I have done some, as a, as a Christian, I, I, I've just tried to promote myself and things like that. Now you might think, well, you do that still because I've seen your stuff on YouTube, Chris. You're always shamelessly promoting yourself. <laughs> I am actually, I'm not. Um, what I used to do is I would be like, you know, always vying for a position or always trying this and trying that so I'd get noticed and stuff. And the more that I tried doing that, guess what? The more people didn't notice me. The more people just didn't care. And, and it was only until I started to humble myself under the mighty hand of God that then he started to exalt me. 
I remember, you know, I used to have uh, a big chip on my shoulder about church and about leadership and all that kind of stuff. I was, I was the guy. I got the T-shirt and stuff. And, and I remember once being at this church, and after 10 years of being there, I just felt God say, Chris, you know what? It's time to hang up your hang-ups. It's time to get over this and, and move on. And, and so eventually I just started to behave myself. And just started to humble myself. And, 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 you know, if the leaders wanted me to lead worship, I wouldn't give them a hard time about it. I'd just lead worship. Whereas I used to lead worship and give them a hard time about it. So I just, I just started doing what God told me to do. And then, and then things like, they just said, hey, Chris, you know, we feel you're called to leadership. We would like to make you a deacon or what have you. And things just started growing from there. But it was only when I finally gave up <laughs> trying to get Chris up there. You know, I used to be a full-time musician. You can hear my wife, she'll tell you, I used to bemoan the fact that I couldn't be famous. I had friends, they were musicians, and they were famous in Christian circles. And I tried so hard, and I know how, to, how hard I tried, I just couldn't get into those kind of circles. And it ate me up, and it made me bitter, and it made me twisted. Hallelujah. <laughs> Until I got over myself. And it was only when I got over myself and started humbling myself, then God said, hey, Chris, I got something better for you than being an internationally famous musician. What's that? Being a local, no one's ever heard of you, local pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. That's humility. But also, humility is the key, I've learned over the years, to intimacy with God as well. Um, if we turn to Matthew 5, verse 8. And this is from the Beatitudes, which is the attitude to be. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, when I, when I first became a Christian, um, I got into all things like, there's not, uh, wherever I say I'm, I'm going to be in trouble for saying this, but I'm just going to say it, okay? I'm not going to say if I'm pro or against. I'm just going to say it. You can ju judge me, throw stones at me, whatever. But anyway, and all those people listening to me, I get a lot of letters from people. I totally disagree with everything you're saying. Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so anyway, so I'll put this out there. So when I first got saved, I just started listening to loads of Kenneth Copeland. No, no. Right? It's out there. Okay. <laughs> and lots of, lots of faith preaching stuff. And actually, to be fair, it really, it really kind of helped me a lot. And I'm thinking now, where, where am I going with this? Um, and it, it kind of really helped me in a sense of believing the word of God and, and understanding your authority as a believer and all these things. But, you know, after a while, I just became dissatisfied with those kind of things. Why? Because it was all about the externals. But it wasn't about the internal. Deep down inside of me, my heart longed to actually have a relationship with God, not to know how to heal the sick or cast out a demon. All those things are important and necessary, absolutely. But deep down in my heart, I just wanted to know God. 
You know, and when Jesus, in my testimony, when Jesus came to me when I was in, involved in witchcraft, he said to me, you know, stop what you're doing, come to know me, you can be forgiven for this. But the key thing that he says was, come to know me. And so my lifelong aim and my lifelong aspiration and ambition is not now to be someone famous. It is not to go out to the nations and preach the gospel because uh, all of those things are superfluous to the very centre of what it is actually all about, which is knowing Jesus. If God does send me to the nations to do everything, it will be because I've got the heart of it right, which is I know my God. And that for me is the nub and the heart of everything. Everything that I teach, everything that I preach, you'll always notice it always has an emphasis on knowing God and relationship. Because quite frankly, any Christianity that doesn't have Jesus at its centre in a sense of intimacy is not really Christianity at all. Because John 17.3 says eternal life is knowing God and his son Jesus Christ. And if your emphasis is not on knowing God, then what are you emphasising? You know, it's... We can get so emphasis on, on the externals and emphasis on you, know, you must do this and you've you, you got to do that and, and all these other things. It's like, no, I'm not playing that game. I'm not going to go down the roads of distraction. I'm not going to go down the roads of bondage. I'm not going to go down the roads of legalism. I'm not going to go down the roads of this is good and that is bad and do this and don't do that. No, I just want one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ. And I want the core. I don't want all this stuff on the periphery. I just want the very heart of what it's all about, which is God Almighty. I want him more than anything. I want to sit with him more than anything. I don't want to talk to him all day long. I want to sit with him and learn from him and just let his nature change me and permeate me. So like I could be like Moses, that he was up on top of the mountain and he was... Breathing in the presence of God and breathing out the presence of God. So much so that he didn't eat or drink for 80 days because he's just in the continual presence of God. Because remember, he was up there 40 days, went down, had a cop out on everyone, broke the tablets, went back up, interceded for another 40 days and 40 nights so God didn't destroy them. But he didn't eat or drink for 40 days or 40 nights. He was just in the presence of Almighty God. Can you imagine being in the cloud of God's glory? And you're, you're just breathing in the presence of God. No wonder he lived for 120. And, he's not, and, and even then, it was God that killed him. Well, should I say, put him to sleep is a nicer way of putting it. It was God that said, right, you know, you can't go any further anymore. It's time to go in the promised land because of what you did. You're not going in. So uh, up the mountain and uh, we'll, we'll see you later. And that was the end of Moses, poor guy. Um, 120 years, it says his, his eyesight and his natural strength was not abated because he was in the presence of God. And, and when he came down from the mountain, from the presence of God, what, what was happening? The guy was a glow. Just the glow of the Lord was on him. Freak people out. Please put a veil on your face, Moses. You're freaking us out. So he put a veil on. But when he came before the Lord, he would take that veil off. He was a man that just went up the mountain and was transformed actually transfigured because that's the right word because he he went from one state to another he was transfigured by his God and and it's through that place of intimacy with God he could say of himself I am the most humble man in all of the earth if there's one thing that I want people to get from anything that I blabber about on a Sunday is I want them to know this one thing 
Jesus Christ and spending time in his presence is the most fundamental thing you can do as a Christian. Because if you don't, you will be caught up in works and you'll be caught up in this thing and that distraction and whirling around and around you will go, but you will never get to the heart of it. You may be able to raise the dead. You may be able to heal the sick, but you will be like a resounding gong. You may be able to prophesy mysteries of the universe, but if you don't know him, now then comes the scariest scripture in the whole Bible. But Lord, I cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. Get away from me. I do not know you, you lawless one. I do not know you. Now, I'm sure everyone in this room knows Jesus. You're all okay. My heart or my, my message to you today is to learn to humble ourselves and start to spend more time in his presence and more time where we don't have the professional relationship with God, but we actually have a proper marriage with God, where we don't present God with a list of things that we would like, please, or whatever, but actually that we come before God and sometimes, and maybe you should make an effort of, maybe most days, to sit down and be still and be silent before your God. And let him sit there with you and be silent. And guess what happens in silence? You hear everything very clearly. And, and you see, you might think, but I don't seem, I've done that before, but I, I don't feel like any, I don't sometimes feel like I've got anything out of it and stuff. Well, that's fine. Do I sit next to my wife every single day and think that I got something out of that, that moment? But... The reality is, every time I do sit next to my wife like that, it develops a closeness that you don't get if you're busy for Jesus. Yeah? If you spend time with your wife, even if you're not... You know, I love those old stories where they say, you know, they're, they're an old couple and they're, they're so in harmony with each other. They don't even need to speak because they know what each other are thinking. They know what each other are feeling just by looking at one another. That's what Jesus wants for us to be like. You know, often we always come before God. Oh God, I feel like this. And oh God, I feel like this. But how many times have we actually sat and listened and then heard how he feels? Oh Jesus, or oh, my son, I'm really upset by dot, dot, dot. Or this is breaking my heart right now. Or could you please pray for this situation or this nation or this country? Because it's breaking my heart what's going on there. God wants us to be a people that will tune in and listen to him as well. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You see, brothers and sisters, because if we live a life like this, and in this place, cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, there, there, there is nothing. The most, the most intimate encounters I've ever had with God have not been coming where I'm shouting and ranting and raving and proclaiming and decreeing and all of these kind of things. You need to do all of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But the most intimate, most joyous, most treasured moments that I've had with God came when I decided to be still and be in silence and just sit with him. <laughs> I was reading this book this morning um, it, was about, it was about prayer and um, 
I think this is, uh, I think it is a quote from Luther where he was talking about prayer. And he was saying, I wish I could just have as much joy in my prayer as a dog does when it eats its dinner. Because he's like constantly distracted by so many things all the time. And all these people are like, you know, when you come to the program, there will be days where it's just not going to happen. You're just distracted and things are going to flitter and fly around. But you know what? There'll be those every now and then. There'll just be those moments that you can take to the bank with you that you know, I spent time with God today and it was beautiful and it changed me. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it changed me. And somehow me being with God touched him and maybe changed him in some way. Not that you can change the immutable God, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like Moses, when he came before God and God said, right, get out. I'm going to destroy this nation and I'm going to make of you a great people. Get out of my presence. Get out. He got the hint. Ah, if I get out of his presence, then he will smite them. So he did exactly the opposite. And he didn't get out of his presence. He got in the face of God and he, and he started speaking covenant to God. Yeah, but God, but you said, according to your word, you said, hallelujah. And then when he did go down, he came straight back up again and he spent another 40 days and nights in the presence of God on behalf of the people of Israel. He just spent time with God. He just spent time with God. And when he wasn't in the mountain, he was in the tent of meeting. And it says there that Jesus, or sorry, it says God met with him face to face and spoke to him face to face as with a friend. Who does not want that kind of relationship with their God? I put a challenge to you for 2023. I want everyone in this room, I want, I'm not going to tell you what to do because I can't do that, but I desire this for every one of you. From this year onwards, p- pursue God more earnestly and more zealously and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ratchet it up in my prayer life. I'm going to spend more time in prayer than I have been. And I want to disciple myself to be able to just have those moments where I can sit with God in absolute silence, in absolute surrender, in absolute humility to the almighty God. And just let him sit with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who wouldn't want that? Glory be to God. And I'll end with this. Many years ago, there was the Orange Phone Network. Do you remember? Are they still going? I don't know. Um, Is it EE now, is it? Gosh. So uh, anyway, Orange, before they became EE, they used to have this, this thing like, who would you like most like to have a chat with? And uh, there's all these stupid things like, oh, don't speak to Buddha. Oh, don't speak to Confucius. It's like, would you like to speak to God Almighty? Hallelujah. You don't need a phone and a contract. You just need just to get on your knees or sit down, whatever it is you want. And you have a privilege. You have the honor. You have something that nobody else in the universe can have. Not even an angel. Is that you can come to a place where you can sit in God and be joined to him through his Holy Spirit. Oh, my prayer is in John 17, Lord, Father, I pray that they will be one as we are one, that we be one in them and them one in us. Who would like to be one in God? I invite you, 2023, let this be the year where you pursue God, where you humble yourselves 
throw away anxieties and cares and anxiousness and worries and fears and spend time with the true living God. And all of those things will just melt away in his presence. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.